Good morning. A um, couple of quick things. One is, uh, Kurt already told you my, my, my daughter's pregnant. That's weird, my baby having a baby. Um, the other thing is that uh, I, some of us just met for the first time. I've known him for a little while or kind of got to know. Uh, there's a couple right between the services that now has two wedding anniversaries. One was April 4 when we got them married in the sight of God because they did not have a marriage license. They couldn't get one. All the county clerks were closed. And today, now they're bound in holy matrimony in the eyes of the state as well. So uh, Asia and Troy Anderson, he's the drummer that plays for us in the earlier service. Uh, they just, they have two anniversaries and one of them is on the birthday of my wife. My wife is double nickels today. 25, or 25 right? Yeah. 55 years old. Um, so that said, uh, that's just, I got to ease into this because this is a, this is a, it's not a harsh message, I don't think, but it's a tough passage. Uh, we've talked to you before that uh, there are Christians and theologians that wish that James was not in the canon, in the Bible. And uh, I think it's because of chapter four. Um, James is acting, is speaking as like an Old Testament prophet. Um, he's saying very, hard things to hear, not unlike Amos or Habakkuk or Haggai or Joel, um, even Jeremiah and Elijah and Elisha. Um, I know it's Elisha, but it always sounds the same to me. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer a prayer, and then we're going to let it speak for itself. And I will tell you this one thing. Um, I sat in Pastor Doug's office, six feet away uh, today, struggling with this passage. And, and he asked me a question he knew the answer to, but he asked me this question. Can you just read it and let it sit and then find a jumping off point and, and just say something else? I can't. I can't. The, it, it's scripture and it deserves to be read. It deserves to be preached. So um, I ask you with me to listen with open eyes and open ears and Soften hearts. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're God and that we're not. Sometimes we act like we are, but we're not. I simply ask this, Lord, that you stand in my shoes, that, you, that I think your thoughts and that you speak with my mouth so that your people hear your message today, not my message for them, but your message for us. I kind of thank you for the work you did in me this week. I didn't like it. It was hard. It was um, heart-wrenching, actually. But I do believe it's that kind of idea that you want to bring to your people. So if you have something else in mind, now's the time. If it's something that you want to say to your people, then make it clear to me to speak your word to your people this day. And give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to see and hear and hearts to receive what the Holy Spirit whether he convicts us, encourages us, or reminds us, whatever it may be, that's what we want from you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. I'm going to start two verses before because I think, it, even though the, the Bible doesn't say this, there's these two verses because he's talking about good things, and then there's like this transition, and I think there's a great big unspoken or unwritten so, S-O, and then we'll get into it. So this is, what, this is what James is talking about. He says, but wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, 
submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. So in the end of chapter three, he's making the case for the things of God. And then he contrasts in all of chapter four and into chapter five, what the other looks like. And some of what he's saying to the people he was speaking to are not easy things to hear. What, so it, it, uh, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel, or you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, when you, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us, that's the sinful spirit, envies intensely, but he gives us more grace, grace that it can even overcome that. This is, this is, that is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one law, or there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And then he changes a little bit because there's something going on. If you've got some really rich people in their, in their, in their church, and that is, it's not a crime to be rich in any way. In fact, God entrusts great riches to many so that they can do great things with it. But there was this thing going on in this church that, that there were the, the international merchants. And we've all met, um, there's a comedian that calls them, uh, that calls them, I can't remember what the exact word, but it's me monsters. You know, the people that are always like, oh, me, 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 me. I went there, I went there, I do this, and I do that. Oh, me, 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 me. Um, there's some me monsters in this church. And they, because they're international merchants and they travel, they see themselves as more of the world and more enlightened than others. And so they were looking down on and even putting down the other people, equals in the eyes of God in their church. So there were some they didn't even consider brothers or sisters in Christ. And so this is what James says to them. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you, why you don't even know What will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. 
As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Hmm. I don't think there's anything in there I like. If I'm honest, let me highlight some. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. And there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. <laughs> um, to slander is just to speak ill of someone, whether it be false, which would be bearing false witness, or, or something that is defamatory, something that, that takes away or rids someone of the reputation they either deserve or do not. Guilty. Um, I read a lot. I watch a lot. I listen to a lot. And I've got some pretty good ideas about what I think is going on and what I think we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing and what the science is and what the science isn't and all da, da, da. And Lynn can attest that I sometimes now speak to the TV and remind people that can't hear me what I think of them. That is slanderous, and it is evil. And I'm guessing that each of you have spoken some words about people on whatever side, politically or whatever side, whether you have neighbors that aren't practicing social distancing or you have those that are in their home and won't come out, you probably have some things to say. Now, I'm not saying you're not allowed to get angry. Um, I'm not saying you're not allowed to be frustrated. Uh, a little over a week ago, I got, had gotten an email from someone that was very, very hurtful. I don't think it was intended to be that way, but I didn't have my guard up. I didn't have my armor on, and, and it snuck through, and I was bleeding. And, and, and I had some things to say, and I checked with a wise brother, Doug, about whether I should reply this way, and he said, it was wise of you to share that with me. Uh, then I sat in his office, and he just let me vent. Um, and, you know, when you're hurting, when you're in pain, sometimes you just need to cry out. That's okay. Um, but be careful where you do that. And be careful what you say, because James is pretty clear that our tongue tells us what's inside. And God makes it clear that I can't judge my brother Jesus says, don't judge or you will be judged. And he says, and if you do judge, the same measure you judge will be used to judge you. We don't like that, but he's not kidding. Another thing that I don't like in here at all is that if you love the world, if you're a friend of the world, then you have hatred toward God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So what does it mean to be a friend of the world? Anything, for me, anything that comes natural. Any, just, just about. I mean, I think it's natural to hunger and therefore you eat. But sometimes I think I'm hungry and I'm not. Um, I'm not struggling with what to say. I'm struggling with whether I should. The whole world 
is freaked out. And so are Christians. And that troubles me. Not that we shouldn't obey or submit to the, and we'll talk about submission here in a minute, not that we shouldn't submit and obey the, the powers and the authorities that are placed over us. But we're angry at people and we're slanderous of people and we're judging people. We're just like them. And James is making it abundantly clear as a prophet of God, we should be different. I should be different. I'm reminded all week that I can't just speak on behalf of God when I'm standing at the pulpit. Everything I do, everywhere I go, every way I behave and don't behave, everything I say and don't say, it all represents God. And that's what he's talking to us about. He says, God, God opposes. Do you want to be opposed by God? God opposes the proud. And every time I think that I've got to figure it out better than someone else, I am prideful. Think about it this way. My daughter, as I mentioned a minute ago, and as, as Pastor Kurt mentioned earlier, she's pregnant and she, the due date is November 19. And she lives as far away from me on this planet as she can. And I'm not really worried about seeing Matt or Elise, but that little more, I'm going to see that baby. And so the first week or so of December, we plan to go halfway around the world, 16 hours time zone wise away. But you know what? I can't go. If I wanted to go today, I couldn't because they're not open. I can't go to New Zealand. That young lady yesterday that was riding in a golf cart, 19 years old and invincible, and I'm not trying to exploit this, but she, she knew everything was gonna be fine. She went around a corner and now she cracked her skull. She's bleeding on the brain and she might live. The pride we have when we think that we know better I'm not saying that we shouldn't question authority. I'm not saying that we shouldn't um, think for ourselves. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't consider what it means and what's being done to us. But to think that I know, there's another passage that we love. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And we love that passage. It's great in weddings. It's on people's doorposts. It's on uh, cross stitch. It's everywhere. And it's a wonderful passage. But I remind you when Jeremiah, when God gave Jeremiah that word to give to his people was right before they went into captivity for decades. While they were going into the darkest time in their history, other than having been slaves for 400 years in Egypt, the darkest time in their history, this, the Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. Lamentations was written. And they're going to go and they have to serve a demon-worshipping king, Nebuchadnezzar. And he says to them, as they're going into it, I know what I'm doing. I will prosper you. I'm not going to harm you. I will give you hope and a future. But do you think when they were in shackles going to Babylon that that's what they were? Oh, this is wonderful. No. But he told them to bless and not curse. He told them to pro if they prospered there and if they blessed, the people of Babylon would be blessed as well. God has always had something bigger in mind than what I can see. And it, only God can tell me if I'm going to make it 
to New Zealand in December to meet my little grandchild. And only God can tell me, or only God knows if that child will be healthy and well and everything will go fine. I do not want God opposed to me. I don't want to be proud, although I am. Some of what James is saying here is something else. Another passage we love. We've been praying with this Unite 714 all along. But, but um, you know, the guy, it says that if we, if, we, if we humble ourselves and we pray, he'll heal us. But listen to what it says in context. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It says, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people, that's us, who are called by my name, that's us, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. This was the dedication of the temple. He doesn't say, if the people that are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and confess the sins of others, then I'll heal. He tells us to humble ourselves and to confess our sins and turn from our wicked ways. James says the same thing. That God gives grace to the humble. He tells us right here, there was this song that humble, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I sang that song a hundred times in high school. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. What does it mean to be humble? To not think of yourself more highly than you ought. I'm going to use an example from a book that I love. I'm a sci-fi nerd. I know. I don't watch sports, but I will listen to audiobooks on The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But there's this Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There's these people that are seeking the ultimate, the answer to the ultimate question, the answer to the ultimate question, the answer to the ultimate question. Well, I think Christians have the answer, but in that book, the answer to the ultimate question is 46. But nobody knows what the ultimate question was. So basically, it's a book on meaninglessness, okay? Almost nihilism. But there's the main character, Zaphod Beeblebrox, and he is the biggest narcissist in the universe. And it comes to a point when he's going to be put in this box or this room where it's going to show him how insignificant he is. It's going to show him the vastness of the universe, the, everything in it. And every person that gets put in this box, it's a punishment, comes out either dead or unable to function because they are quivering in anxiety and fear and meaninglessness for the rest of their lives. Everybody that goes in there comes out realizing, I am nothing. Zaphod Beeblebrox, though, when he comes out, he's like, yes, I was even more important than he thought he was. How can, we ha how can someone have such a wrong view of self that they think that I am more important and I am more knowledgeable and I am more capable than everyone else. And no one will say it out loud. But do we not think that we know better than everybody else? James tells Christians, submit, humble yourself, 
and don't slander. Anyone who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. See, if we go back Old Testament, we find a lot of things being said by the prophets. One of them is, we're going to be in the book of Judges coming up. It's what's known as the cycle of apostasy. The people of God are faithful because God rescues them. Then they drift and then they get hardened and then they get wicked and then they get downright evil. And God sends a judge, allows terrible things to happen to them to call them back over and over. From the very, very beginning of time, Adam and Eve, pride was the thing that caused all of humanity to fall. Pride. Oh, you really going to die? He just doesn't want you to be, oh, yeah, my will, not his. Boom. And God even has his prophet say things like this. Do I need sheep? Like sacrifice? I mean, what's God going to do with a, with a killed lamb? He wants people to see that it's the heart of it that matters, not the actual sacrifice. Yes, God has set it up that you cannot have forgiveness without the spilling of blood and these substitutionary animals. These animals are killed so that their blood shows us that we're forgiven. And then Jesus becomes the last, final, sacrificial lamb and that it is his blood that covers over us so that we don't, pay what we, we don't get what we deserve. We instead get grace. But shouldn't that humble us? Shouldn't we just, we just sing a song? I'm looking up at the screen. I'm sorry, that's where I saw the words. Um, that, that, that talked about Jesus on the cross and he came out of the grave. He's resurrected. Shouldn't that change everything? Shouldn't that make me humble? God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. There's a Greek word for Humility. And there's a Greek word for humiliation. And they come from the same root, humus. You might say hummus, but that's not. To become humble is to be pruned and have the things, if you look at John 15, and have the, the, the pruning kind of happens and the things fall to the ground. And then what happens to those things when they fall to the ground? They rot and they become topsoil, and they nurture the plant, and new fruit comes. It actually, becoming humble, becoming like topsoil, actually helps you grow in Christ. Humiliation is what we see in politics. To be humiliated is to have dirt, topsoil, or mud thrown at you. To be muddied, not to become like dirt. To become like dirt is good. We do that ourselves. To be humiliated is to have something done to us. To be slandered upon It is way better for us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord than to wait for him to do it to us. So the first song we sang in the worship set talked about, came out of my night into your glorious day. I just want to remind you of something here. Every Jewish day starts with darkness. We kind of see the day starts with sunup, their day started with sundown. One day ends as the sun goes down. The next day begins right then. And you remember that Jesus died during one day, three o'clock in the afternoon. He was buried before sundown and he rose not at the beginning of the day, halfway through it. He rose when the sun came up. It went from darkness to light, just like creation. 
He spoke into darkness and created light. Folks, we are, the whole world is in darkness. And we, the people who are called by his name, are the light. And so we should be confessing our own pride, confessing our own iniquity, our own sin, our own, we should be humbling ourselves before the Lord. He tells us, he commands us to, to turn your laughter into mourning, to, 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 metaphorically speaking, to tear our clothes and put ash on our skin, not only because of what we have done, but because there are a whole bunch of people that know him because we haven't told him. So we get to stand in front of God on behalf of humanity and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Sound familiar? Instead of hating those who don't know Christ, plead to God on their behalf. That's humble. God, we can't. You must. Save them, Lord. Show them how much you love them. Use us in however you may, however you may. But Lord, pour out yourself on this world. We need light to overcome the darkness. So I stand in the history and with the mantle of the prophets. James, Amos, Habakkuk, Joel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elisha, Elijah. And I say to you, on behalf of God, confess, repent, seek forgiveness, and he'll lift you up. But we don't wait for forgiveness before we confess. We confess in order to seek and receive forgiveness because God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. I choose grace. I hope you do too. Let's pray. Ouch, Lord. Ouch. You know, it's interesting that your correction is actually a gift. Doesn't feel like it, but it is. Remind us, Lord, that what we say, either with the tips of our fingers when we're typing, the pads of our thumbs when we're texting or Instagramming or whatever else, or what we say when we're actually speaking, even though the person that we're speaking about can't hear us and doesn't know we're saying it, it still tells us who we are inside. Lord, renew in us a right spirit, as we humble ourselves, we ask you to keep your promise, to lift us up. And Lord, on behalf of this world, we ask you to heal our land. Bring light, give your spirit, and let this go from darkness of the last several decades to a new light that we can't even fathom. And however long we have to suffer in the middle of it, Lord, 
however long we have to be frustrated. We trust you because you know the plans you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.